What did we just watch, Kevin? We just watched Enola Holmes, the 2020 movie on Netflix about Sherlock Holmes's little sister. Mm-hmm. Based on a young adult novel. Yes. And... Also called Enola Holmes, like the mysteries oh, of hi, Enola buddy. Holmes. Hi, buddy. Felicity is here now, so it is time. get ready for the squeals when she scratches us. Um, all right. So as usual, these are our first impressions. This is a relatively new movie, so you might not have had the chance to watch it. We are going to spoil it. So if you all don't it. want it spoiled, even the spoilers, tune out now. Come back later. Yeah, it's on Netflix, so you can watch it if you want. Yeah, yeah, it's very easy. It's not one of our more obscure films. <laughs> No, it's very easy to find. It's on Netflix. It's free yeah. if you have Netflix. It's free if you have Netflix. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it's Millie Bobby Brown plays Enola Holmes. Mm-hmm. And li- was also apparently a producer on the film. Yeah, yeah. Which says a lot, I think, to me. Yeah, it's it's definitely fun, especially with the young actors getting into producing mm-hmm. films and having some say in shaping characters control, yeah. um, and what they can do. I also have to say it's nice to see a 16-year-old play a 16-year-old. Is she actually 16? I just checked. Okay. She was born in 2004. Yeah, so yeah. So, yeah, she was playing age-appropriate there. Yeah, which is very rare. rare. Um, yeah, speaking of uh, other movies, I've seen more than a few people complaining about the fact that Gary Oldman, who is in his 60s, is playing the, like, 30-something-year-old Mank in the movie Mank. I I don't know how I feel about that. Okay. Right. Well, we that just, watched that, one, that so. just segued so hard, right? I, yeah, um, sorry. I don't... Just an interesting difference between this and another movie we didn't watch. Well, certainly a 60-year-old woman would never be cast to play a 30-year-old woman. Right. Although a 30-year-old woman would be cast as a 60-year-old woman. Uh-huh. They would make that work. So yeah. as a double standard. Yeah. But as... Tinkering with the reality of a true storyness that that doesn't that mm-hmm. part doesn't bother me. Double standards. Yeah, it's, it's not the. Yeah, I don't care that he's old necessarily. It's that he doesn't. It's it's the difficulty of playing thirty years old when you are sixty years old. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh, he's playing it as thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. They didn't make the character sixty. Oh, okay. They made the character thirty. <laughs> All right. Well, let's 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 go back to <laughs> the center even lane. That movie. So let's go to the center lane with Enola Holmes, Enola which Holmes. we just watched. We did. With each appropriate actor, yes, playing um, as the same. I am all for making this a series and getting more. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Although oh, I no. did see, um, like, right after it came out, they're like, "New Enola Holmes mystery movie coming out. It's going to be focused on Sherlock." Mm. <laughs> it was, I think, a rumor. It was not confirmed, but like, I don't need more Sherlock. I don't need Holmes. more Sherlock. Well, I'm gonna put a pin in that for a second. Okay, we'll put a pin in that and just go over um, the basic story. Is uh, she's raised solely by her mother mm-hmm. uh, and doesn't have a lot of contact with the outside world. Her mother is very progressive and rebellious and teaches her to fight and to think for herself and And um, do science do science do whatever she wants to do um not wearing corsets and a lot of the under 
restricting undergarments. How to ride a bicycle, Uh, which is very scandalous. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden her mother disappears and uh, Enola goes off to find her. Her mother has left her some clues and she's going off to find her. And then, you know, hijinks ensue. As they so Um, often do. And there's a couple of things. She's looking for her mother, uh, Mycroft assumes that he is now, she is now his ward and wants her to go to off to a finishing school because it's Mycroft. Yeah, we all... although I have a lot of disagreements with the portrayal of Mycroft in this film, so we can get to that as well. Oh, okay. Um, but yes, yeah, so Mycroft, so she's on the run from Mycroft. She's trying to track down her mother. She also gets embroiled in a political mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and she's... Gets thrown together with a young aristocrat. Vicomte. Uh, a Vicomte Marquez. Yes. I, I don't, that seems like double title to yeah, me. Yeah, Vicomte Marquez de Manderley Bay. I don't yes. know what his actual name was. Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, who's escaping his own sort of, sort of trouble. Yes. Um, so it is... I think this might be one of the shorter ones I say that as it probably will go on for an hour because I don't have a lot to say. Yeah, I that's fair. I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed quite a bit the rebellious. She never has seen the world, how the world oppresses and restricts women. So she doesn't even have that. That internalized. Internalized. Um, so she's that. that's very freeing in the way that she acts the way that she thinks mm-hmm. and the way she can get a wet round um going out in the world which she's never never done, done before. before but not not necessarily because she couldn't but she just didn't need to yeah and so when as soon as she does need to she just does she has no fear or trepidation around any of that uh and i also appreciate i mean we're probably going into a series and this is a novel i 21st century young adult mm-hmm. novel that unlike Jane Austen and Louisa May Calcott that have young rebellious adolescent women mm-hmm. who it always ends in marriage yes and that's where the book stops and they're as understanding as your husband may be you cannot have the same level of rebellion in a marriage mm-hmm. that you can as a yes. as a single woman and so I appreciate that it, that this wasn't going towards marriage or straight to a relationship. Yeah, there was. I did write like as soon as a boy showed up, I was like, "Oh no, a boy!" And I know what the I know what the base the the basic thought on it will be. Oh well, it she's safe. She's not the damsel in distress. No, he is. He is. Uh, and that is true. Like, yeah, and, and so, that. okay, that that's good. I can't make it into what I want it to be. Yeah. So that that is good. I like that there is a suggestion of a romantic interest, but there's no kissing or ending mm-hmm. up together in the end. Like, because yes. I said, I, I don't, I think that that diminishes the stories. Our cat is throwing things and stepping on things. You may be hearing strange yeah, she, sounds. She bit me real good a second ago. Um, I managed to keep it inside. <laughs> so the pain. Yeah. I kept the pain inside. Uh, yeah, so it is It is playing with that a little bit. I think there is, 
this tug back and forth between, and I, I don't know the novels, so I don't know how true this is to the novels, but in the film, like this idea, well, this is the sort of film we're making, and so we have to have this sort of, like, will they, won't they sort of relationship, mm -hmm. like opposites attract thing going on, even though the film kind of doesn't want it. Yeah, it, I mean, I think it detracts from her story. <laughs> rebellious i can't think of a synonym to rebellious right now um agency yeah i think um yeah it, it lessens the interesting things about the character to force her into a relationship yes uh, but i think the movie skirts the edge just enough that i'm okay with it right oh uh, well that's why i was happy at the end we didn't get a firm relationship we didn't yeah. get a kiss we have them or... literally separated by gates as she is still on the run and like hiding out well and the class differences and, yeah. and whatnot would be um i mean arguably that, insurmountable <laughs> i see that as a future conflict point if this does oh, become a series absolutely. and i'm a little annoyed already with that <laughs> okay positive things uh millie bobby brown is really great such a youthful she... exuberance she was amazing, and it made me mad at how I realized maybe she's underutilized in Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this is Millie Bobby Brown. So emotive. Like, um, like I realized that is Eleven and her character to a certain point on that show. Who's also learning emotions in yeah. Stranger Things. And that's fair, and she does a good job with that, but I feel like we don't get any sort of range with her mm -hmm. in Stranger Things, the way that we really had a lot. Here. Like, this was a worthy starring vehicle for her. Yes, yes. And probably some of it has to do with, with being a producer yeah. and having some yeah. creative control. And and making enough bank off of Stranger Things that she could be a producer on this movie. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, apparently, again, Wikipedia reading, she was responsible for the character, like, breaking the fourth wall. Like, that mm -hmm. was a decision she wanted, which was a good choice. It was work. It, it, was, it made her seem even more clever. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel just like a... A device. A device the way that House of Cards <laughs> felt to me like a device. Yeah. House of Cards used it exactly whenever they wanted to without really understanding what it was for or why they should. Yeah. Um, anything else? What else to say about Millie Bobby Brown? Um... I did not recognize her at first. <laughs> I was like, I recognize the name Millie Bobby Brown. I know who that is. That was a fun game I had to play. go figure it out. Uh, uh, I think it's funny that Millie Bobby Brown and Helena Bonham Carter played mother and daughter. A, because I think it was a really good pair, but also because they both have three names. And that that's amuses true. me. I, I thought they had a great rapport yeah, with like each all other. All of their scenes together were really good. Um, I really enjoyed Helena Bonham Carter. I think some, a lot of times she gets pigeonholed into a type of role. Yes. And so this was not always like she was she was the, the queen and the crown. king's men. Oh, yeah. She's in the crown, which I stopped that season because it was so in the third season. I was really bored. Yeah. So I stopped. Um, um, she Yeah. But she can do a lot more than she's often given credit for. Well, and this is a really agential character for her, too. Yeah. That maybe we haven't seen. Yeah, despite not being in the movie, not being present in the movie a lot, there was yeah. a lot of scenes of her, um, and she did a lot with a very relatively small amount of screen time, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. which is cool. Yeah, yeah. So those were 
all good things. Millie yeah. Bobby Brown had a very Americanized British accent, but it didn't bother me. It wasn't a bad British accent. <laughs> it just wasn't a full British it was, accent. Yeah, she was trying. Um, so she's, I think she's going to yeah. be like Emma Watson, one to watch from being oh, yeah. a child star. to Growing into something really impressive. Um, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, and this is really her first feature role, like significant role other than stranger things like she did i know of. I, I, I looked she, it up I was, she doesn't have a lot of credits okay. i thought she was in godzilla but i didn't know uh, how she more. was in godzilla Sorry. how big her role i forget that godzilla existed yeah sure that's <laughs> which is not great yeah godzilla king of the monsters she was a cast member i, I don't know how large i don't know we didn't watch it so yeah. um but yeah, yeah she hasn't had a lot of featured and she certainly wasn't starring in godzilla Right. Because Godzilla was starring in Godzilla. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so really good for her. I'm excited about her. Let's talk about the story. Okay. I found it more, very boring. Well, okay. Uh, like, having said all of that up front, like, I really enjoyed the performances, the aesthetic. I think it looked great. I was more often than not bored by the events of the story. Let me see if I can, I can meet you there. Because okay. what I was going to say is... I was really enjoying the first third of the movie, and the two last two thirds, I was bored. Fair, yeah. I, well, because I think the last two thirds were the part that was the, the story wasn't doing anything interesting. It was more predictable. We had seen this story before, yeah. Um, which isn't the performances are still great. Yes, what, yeah. But the um, script, I think, is let lets the performances down to a certain extent. Yeah, they don't do anything clever i think the best and we're gonna have to compare this to sherlock holmes stories because it's a sherlock holmes story um it just happens to be about Enola holmes the best sherlock holmes stories can surprise you mm-hmm. throughout like even when sherlock is stumped or when he really knows what's going on all the time but when you get to the end it's like <gasps> it all clicks into place yeah in a really good way because that's sherlock yeah and the best Sherlock Holmes stories do that to the audience. Mm-hmm. At no point in time was I surprised by any of the twists in this film. No. And there wasn't really a mystery solved by the end of the film. Like, her mother showed up. Yeah. Well, so, so she didn't really that, find her. That mystery her. didn't happen at all. And that was a real letdown. And we don't we don't quite know why she left or what. We, yeah, we're led to believe up. that she she may be involved in... And some bombings mm-hmm. um, for women's suffrage. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's very vague. Yes. You have to There's infer no quite a bit. Explicit um, explanation. And, I mean, the, we know the Vicomte is the Vicomte the whole time. Yeah, it's not that's a surprise. Not, that's <laughs> not a surprise. He introduces himself. Um, we know that he's being... Hunted by someone who wants to murder him from yeah. the beginning. That's not a surprise. There was yeah. no twist in character. I guess maybe that the grandmother was... That was the twist. That was the, the like, reveal was, it's the grandmother! Spoilers. Um, but we put a warning in ahead of time. And that wasn't even that big of a surprise. Like, they're like, oh, it's the uncle. No, it's the grandmother. Okay. If I'm being... I, I think this may be too oversimplified to say and, and too cynical, but I felt like... It, it was being dumbed down for a young adult film. Yes. Which it doesn't need to be. Young no. adults are smart. Yes. They can handle complex plot. Yeah. 
Give it to them. <laughs> yeah. Give it to kids. <laughs> yes. Uh, they can handle a lot more than you think. And yes, no, that's, I, I agree completely. I feel like it was a very straightforward, like, baby's first mystery. Um, and the fact that so much of the film gets sidetracked with the Vicomte story that does not advance her characterization Mm-mm. or her her arc at all was disappointing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I would have been really I would have really enjoyed had the majority of it been like tracking down her mother and figuring things out and we get a resolution there. Especially since they did have such a great rapport yes. in exploring that relationship. I mean, a young like mother-daughter relationships are very kind of rare. rare. Yeah. And to be done well, even rarer. Yes. In film. Yeah, where the conflict isn't between the two of them, but, but to a uh, a girl teenager and a boy teenager going have an adventure, adventure that's nice. it's been done it, it's been done a lot even if even if uh enola is very fun to watch yes um uh, well another thing that i noticed is that it was fascinating to me in the first third is they were going with uh i think steampunk is the wrong word but but Steampunk infused Victorianism. Yeah, yeah, and they were doing it with the sort of animations of a steampunk mm-hmm. uh, animations to tell some stories, to show her plan somewhat. Mm-hmm. And I was I was enjoying that aesthetic. Yeah, it reminded uh, me a little bit of um, Sofia Coppola's early work. I do not know her early work. The there's one I want to say it was about a monarch. Cool. But it was like a Vic, a monarch, but told in a very punk rock sort of aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Coppola. Let's look at. I'm gonna be movies. honest. I haven't seen the film, so mm. my analogy is Marie not Antoinette. Marie Antoinette. That one. That mm. one. Um, had a very, again, from what I have seen, which was not the film, but marketing and people talking about it, had a very punk rock. Yes, a very punk rock, a very modern take in with historical costumes. Yes. And, and... And, and Antoinette, Marie Antoinette, I believe, actually had a modern day soundtrack yeah. in the same way that, like, A Knight's Tale did. Um, and using that juxtaposition very effectively. Um, oh, those are not ones she's... I was like, well, she's goes way back, but I think that was his acting, yeah, not as not as a director. Um, I think Marie Antoinette might have been her first film she directed. Um, so yeah, but yeah, the and that aesthetic sort of flows through fairly well. I was reminded a lot of um, the the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, but like yeah. in a brighter color palette. Yes, yes, um, which is good. I really like the brighter those... and more feminine coded. Yeah, and I really like those Sherlock Holmes films. I think yes, they those do were a lot of job. Fun. The first one was better than the oh, second yeah. one, but yeah. <laughs> absolutely. But I'd still watch the second one again. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the aesthetics of that really carry. They do a lot of heavy lifting of the film in the more boring parts. It's mm-hmm. still kind of fun to look at mm-hmm. as things are going. On. And I really do feel like we got shorted out of a, a meaningful resolution with the mother storyline. Yeah, um, which was the more interesting. Like we get an emotional moment between them. But we don't know anything, and nothing has changed. Well, yeah, let's talk more about not maybe you and I, but the um, 
Let's see if I can find the characters. Uh, okay, Susie Wacoma as Edith. Oh yeah. Um, the the black owner of a tea tea house tea house jujitsu studio like studio. <laughs> that's all women upstairs yeah. doing um jujitsu. Yeah. I want to see that. <laughs> Let's see those types, because those types of stories do exist in yes. history, and we, we're led to believe that they aren't, so yeah. we can... it would be really interesting to explore them. Yeah, that kind of reminded oh. me of some of the things from uh, Mary Toft or the Queen of Rabbits. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I just, I clicked on her name, which took me to the Wikipedia page, so she's based on an actual person, Edith oh, really? Margaret Garud. That's even cooler. First female professional martial arts instructor. Um, awesome. Yeah. So, I like, I want to know... More. I, I would like to see more of, yeah. of women coming together in these ways that we never see depicted. And we're led as a society to think that women never were allowed to do this mm-hmm. and the, therefore never did it. And I think that's such a disservice <laughs> yes. because it makes us... Lots of people do things they're not allowed to do. <laughs> it makes us think that we've progressed so far today. And yeah. we have. In some ways. <laughs> in some ways, but maybe not as much yeah. um, as you think. Um, this does not say what her... If she was black. I bet she wasn't. Um, yeah, which was another thing I wanted to talk about in the film that I really appreciated. Um, at least in the background, none of the main characters, they did show people of color and that's historically accurate as well. Um, we think of England being so white Mm -hmm. until maybe now. Yeah. Um, and despite lots of like, you know, them being a global superpower and having trade with all of the world. Like, you had people from all over the world coming to London. So that it, it was not unusual to see what we would call people of color today. Terminology would have been different mm-hmm. in the 19th century, but... Yeah. And, yeah, you had... Um, had all those colonies. It wasn't like... Yeah. The colonized didn't come over... Um, but really, since the Romans mm-hmm. settled all over the place. England, yeah. that they've had people of color. Um, so I did appreciate. Mm-hmm. I could see more. Yeah, no, I would. I would watch another film in the series. I'm not. I wouldn't hesitate. Oh that. yeah, and no, but yeah. I'll see more people of color. Oh yes, yeah, that too. Um, yeah, so liked the kind of steampunk aesthetic. It just happens in the first third of the movie. Yeah, and then kind of falls off a little bit. They they don't they lose the animation as mm-hmm. a, as a storytelling um, adva- a device. Device. Uh, yeah, enhancement. There you go. No, words are hard. Words are hard. Words English are very, is a weird. Especially language. when we don't go back and edit the podcast and put in smart words no. later. Never. Um. So those are the things that the movie is and is doing. Yeah, Felicity, you, she just wants she just wants to play to play because podcast time is play time. Is play ow, time. Ow, ow, yeah, that's my arm. You're biting real good. All right. Well, here we go. Thank you. Can I give you my secret wish? 
than if I had made the film. Yes, if you had made the film. Which is not useful criticism at all. No. <laughs> but I just want to put it in people's brains as the type of story that could have happened. Uh-huh. That we had more of a Boston marriage situation. <laughs> Where there was maybe some queer baiting, but yeah. not in staying in the bait space forever. Yes. Um, for those of you who don't know, a Boston marriage is a term from the 19th century when two adult women lived together who were not related and were said to be very good very friends. Very good friends. This is my travel and life companion. Right. Yes. <laughs> Work and life travel companion. <laughs> Which, that that's a term from the TV show Mixed Dish. Yes, this is my work and travel companion, uh, which takes place in the eighties when we still couldn't be uh, open, yeah, um, openly gay. Uh, and we don't know if the women in Boston marriages, if they were gay. Yeah, sexuality is complicated, um, and there's a lot of ethical concerns about trying to out people yes. who, who did not want to be outed if they yeah outing they them were. In death is not a, a kindness, yeah. but. I wanted to see another female character that maybe, maybe yeah. that's where the relationship. I would have been really interested in something like that. Because a lot of the coolest women in history in the world in the 19th century. Well, they often existed without husbands. They were, they were not heteronormative. Yes. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they were lesbians, but that they didn't get married. Mm-hmm. Um and didn't have those strictures. Yeah. Often as a way to avoid those strictures. Yeah, yeah. Because they would avoid marriage so as to not have to deal with those things. Uh, it's one of the things... I have not finished Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, the TV show. But one of the things I appreciate in the seasons I have watched is that she's pretty firm in saying, I cannot get married. Yeah. But she has, like, a lot of relationships with mm-hmm. men. Um, but she's not going to get married because she knows... That's the end. That's the end of her freedom yeah. and her uh, her financial freedom yeah. as well. Um, yeah. So that's. I so yes, that would have been interesting. An interesting way to go with that. There's a possibility. Maybe she met someone at the finishing school who was mm-hmm. also rebellious. Mm-hmm. And said, "Let's get out of here together." Yeah. But no. Instead, we get we comics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have anything more to add about the story? Um, I think that was the most of it. It's just I wanted I wanted more from a clever film that started off, I think, again, very cleverly and very interestingly, and then kind of meandered its way to a finish. Yeah. I think we should say, again, this does not mean that we hated the film or did not like it. We enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, hard, just... it's hard to be critical of things without people saying you just hate stuff all the time. Yeah. we're But we're just analyzing it. And we got high standards. However... It was boring towards the end. And yeah. that I did not like. I, well, I realized when we were at the sort of emotional climax of the grandmother being revealed and all that sort of stuff that I was like, oh, this is this is it. This is the climax. This is the thing you're supposed to be interested and care about. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. Yeah. So, like, that is a critique of the film. Yeah. And I stand that, by it. That part didn't <laughs> like. But the characterization, um, the, the casting, I think, was real strong. The design, real strong. Um, speaking of casting, let's talk about the the Holmes brothers. Mm-hmm. I only knew Henry Cavill. I only knew Henry Cavill, uh, but I I think Henry Cavill brought a decent job to Sherlock Holmes. I think it's tough to do something interesting with a character that so many people before you have done. Oh, okay, yeah. Keep going. I have something to say when okay. you're done. Uh, well, and I think 
it's interesting to me that he came here's here's what it is. He came across as the way I feel like Holmes comes across to people who don't know him very well in real life. Not that he was a real person, but like mm-hmm. We so often see the Sherlock Holmes stories from the perspective of, of Watson, primarily. Mm-hmm. Someone who is very close to him, sees the nuance of the character, and knows, yes, he's this brilliant genius. He's also a person. He also is, you know, has interesting things going on. He's addicted to opium. Plays the violin. And that is all fairly private stuff going on in the life of Sherlock Holmes. We see Sherlock Holmes as much as Enola does, which is as an outsider. Who, where he just kind of seems aloof and like he's not ever really doing anything. Mm-hmm. And then he shows up at the end with the solution. And he does it from these small little details he's yeah. been noticing all along. Yeah. And that, from a, a writing or character perspective, I think is an interesting look at Sherlock Holmes as an outsider. As someone who is not experiencing that private life of Holmes. And I think Henry Cavill did a fine job of that. Mm-hmm. What would you like to add? The Conan Doyle estate sued. Oh, I know. I knew that. Yes. Oh, because he had too many emotions. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious because he was not particularly emotional. <laughs> he was still pretty aloof. He, I mean, by the end, it kind of seemed like... Maybe he cares about Enola and will take her on as a ward from a place like a place of yeah. love rather than uh, obligation, a, a less emotional yeah, yeah obligation or as a pet project of some sort. Yes, um, but yes, the the Sherlock Holmes estate sued this film because they allege that Holmes having emotions. Holmes, the character, is in public domain. The story, the, the earliest stories with Sherlock Holmes are in the public domain. And so you can make any story you want with Sherlock Holmes based on those stories. Because he's a public domain character now. Yes, the estate argues that the stories where he shows emotion were later in Doyle's life. And so thus are not out of copyright. So if you show Sherlock Holmes having any emotion, you cannot do it without getting their permission. Which is, in my my opinion, not how copyright works works because you can say we're not we're taking the original emotionless Sherlock Holmes and showing him in a new light with emotions Mm -hmm. that's how copyright works (laughs) that's how the public domain works Uh um I don't think anything ever came of the suit yeah I think that would be a very hard one to prove yes for what you just said not the first time they've done no they're one of the difficult estates yeah they're like I mean Tolkien's work isn't in public domain yet but like I They've also been real picky about adaptations. right. The Arthur Miller estate. Oh, yeah. Um, Is it Pinter or Beckett who won't let you... Beckett. Beckett, the estate, won't let you change anything. 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 Yes. Which is why I'm of the opinion that stuff should be copyrighted until the author dies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And possibly less. But that's another argument for another day. But yes, I think it is funny watching this movie, seeing if they sued for Holmes being too emotional when he really isn't. Doesn't have. Yeah. In fact, Robert Downey Jr. I think shows more emotion. Oh, by far. Or you look um, at the um, the two different Sherlock TV shows we've had in the last 10 years. 
Benedict Cumberbatch and, and Elementary on CBS. Oh, on CBS, I never watched Elementary. It's actually really good. I think it does a. I think it's much better than Sherlock with Cumberbatch, but that's not saying much. I think Sherlock with Cumberbatch started at its peak and went and it went downhill. downhill. Yeah, although a lot of our listeners are going to disagree with you. I mean, all I have to say is that uh, I don't believe in the John Locke conspiracy, and then they'll get mad at me real mad. So, okay, that was that was a long-standing queer bait was between John and Sherlock. John Locke didn't live. John Dur- and Sherlock. Oh, John I thought he meant John Locke, the philosopher. <laughs> totally, like, fair. that's the wrong century. That's the wrong century. You're right. You know, uh, John Watson and Sherlock. Or John Locke. Um, and everyone was convinced that there were secret messages over the last few seasons to show that they were really going to fall in love and be happily ever after. And of course that didn't happen. But there are people out there who are like, no, there's a, a secret, double secret finale that they haven't released yet that'll really show it. But it won't. It's just it's just more queer bait. But yes, there's lots of Sherlock Holmes adaptations because he's in the public domain and you can do whatever you want with him. Like, make the Enola Holmes mysteries. Does Enola exist in the, no. the Holmes? Okay, they made only that original character. character. Okay. Yeah, his only sibling is Mycroft in the, the original stories. Okay. Uh, and I was really disappointed with the depiction of Mycroft in this film. How so? Um, one of the things I like about Mycroft is in his traditional characterization... He is fussy and stuck up, and he is also the British government. Mm-hmm. He doesn't run the British government. He is the British government. Um, but he's also smarter than Holmes. Mm-hmm. And the only reason he doesn't do anything with that is, A, he's busy running the government or being the government. But B, he's also not interested in mysteries. Like, he could solve a mystery without leaving his parlor. Because mm-hmm. he's just, like, he could read the newspaper and go, oh, it was this. Mm-hmm. And this... I think missed a lot of the intelligence of Mycroft. He just seemed mean. He just seemed mean and grumpy. And I think you can be mean and grumpy, but he he was he was the villain a yeah. a lot of in in even more ways than than the people trying to kill the Vicomte. Yes. Because he wanted to put, you know, this wonderful, agential, powerful person into a finishing school to be a robot yeah. wife. Um, and that, I mean, yes, that was a villainous act in the context of the film. And we never got any nuance from that. Mm-hmm. Now, I realize I just argued, well, we didn't get any nuance from Sherlock, and that was intentional. So maybe it was, um, but I like more complex villains. <laughs> and I think because Mycroft can be a really interesting character, seeing so little of that was disappointing. Although maybe they were just trying to fade them more into the background so mm-hmm. it is less of a yeah. Sherlock and Mycroft. And it's, it's certainly not a Sherlock and Mycroft story. No. Um, they are minor characters, which is good. It's like, that's fine. That's not the story we're telling. But minor characters doesn't mean two-dimensional. Yeah. I don't want to be flat. Look at Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, in, she does in, a lot with very little. In Playing the Mother. Yeah. I don't know who Sam Claffin is, who played Mycroft. I'm not familiar with him. He was in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. I didn't see that. No, I didn't see that. Uh, he was in The Hunger Games. I didn't see all of that. He was in Me Before You. We definitely, we didn't definitely did not watch. He was Refused. the star. He was, 
He was that oh, guy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, actors gotta eat. Actors gotta eat. Um, yeah, I've not seen any of the work he's been <laughs> Yes. Well, any other? Uh, let me look at my notes. I think that was all the big things I wanted to talk about. Um, I think it's cool that the secret society the mother was part of is called the League of Flowers. Mm-hmm. And a reference to the flower codes. Yeah, the flower codes are pretty cool. Yes. Um, I was really excited that we were going to get, like, a whole bunch of Victorian-era cryptography. We did We did not. The, also, the ciphers. Again, this feels like the dumbing down things to the audience that don't need to be done. A lot of the cipher work was real mediocre. Like, oh, the secret is she said the word backwards, or she flipped some syllables, so it's you don't you can't figure out what it is. They and would like, have been much more complex. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, like, these were smart women. I mean, these were smart people. Yes. These were smart people. And you could have pretty darn complex ciphers without any sort of computer technology. And she had the wheel, the little code wheel that mm-hmm. was reminiscent of. I don't think it was meant to be but it reminded me of the 2d copies of the enigma machine you can get mm. um where you can actually build your own enigma machine with like a series of discs mm-hmm. um which is funny when you think about how difficult the enigma machine was to break that you can recreate now it it's, you can do it in pop yeah. culture well it's still times. difficult to break because you have to know the starting positions of mm. the cogs um but we, like, invented the computer to break the Enigma code. <laughs> That's just neat. But yes, stuff like that I would have liked to have seen more of in the latter half of the film. Like, she puts a secret message in the personals, and then we kind of just ignore it until the last 20 minutes of the film. And then it's like, yep, that happened. I feel like it didn't really come from anywhere. Well, and Sherlock broke the code without a cipher. Yeah, yeah. So he could put in another message. Yes. And trick her. And trick Try her. to trick her. Yes. She didn't believe it. She didn't fall for it. Um, that was a funny one. The last thing we need is more educated voters. I, I would have been interested in seeing more of the political unrest that was happening in this moment. There was definitely a very political understory happening but between yeah. classes. Yes. And I looked it up, and this was, like, around... Like, that was a thing that was actually happening in this point in time. There was a big push for um, what eventually became the House of Commons in England. The sort of the people's representation rather than the House of Lords. Mm-hmm. Um, which they still have both of, and it's ridiculous that they still have a House of Lords. Mm-hmm. Um, but pushing for representative government, mm-hmm. which they did not have... Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, reminded of the Mike Lee film Peterloo, which is a very different film about that subject. <laughs> That's about a bombing that happened uh, during the massacre. The Peterloo Massacre, um, which was, there was a staged demonstration pushing for representative democracy um, that the military was called in on and killed thousands of people. Um, which was sort of the the turning point, or a important turning point in that narrative. And clearly this is also a conversation happening right now, so yes. it goes into this, why this, why now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we where absolutely talk about those sorts of things. Why everyone deserves a vote, and why those in power don't think that yeah. 
the the common men can handle it. That was a quote I wrote down. I was like, well, the last thing we need is more educated voters. Yes. Um, I loved her costumes. I feel like so many of them were costume changes for the sake of it rather than actually being motivated, and Mm -hmm. that bothered me. Mm -hmm. Like, we get the scene of her... Like, going to the dressmaker and getting a very fancy dress and becoming very fancy as a disguise. But then we never see that disguise put to use. Like, we never see her, like, getting in somewhere because she looks like she belongs. The only disguises are when she buys the clothes off of men. Yes. Those are the only disguises. Those are the disguises that actually were, like, a disguise. But she has that moment of, like, I'm going to have to turn into something something remarkable to blend in. in. A lady. And then she does. But she never actually, like, then blends in anywhere as a lady. She does as a widow. Like, she does that in that one scene. She still gets spotted like, as almost on, from the wanted posters. Yes. Yes. The only disguises she actually uses are disguises as men. When she buys the clothes off of nearby men. So I, I was annoyed from a dramaturgical perspective at that. Like, we set this up, but then never see her use that outfit. And then... Eventually, it kind of gets ruined in her fight with the bowler hat man that is like, okay, why did we bother? Other than to set up that the whalebone courses couldn't get stabbed through, which then later sets up a different person not getting killed because of something where they were wearing a It wasn't whalebone. It was, it was, it was, it was from a, a suit of armor. armor. Yeah. It armor was not a good callback. It didn't work. <laughs> it made me mad. I would have been real more interested if he was wearing a corset under that and that stopped the bullet. <laughs> Yeah, that like, would have worked. Oh, maybe she thought of that and, and gave him her corset. Yeah. yeah, that would have been neat. No, we didn't that get didn't, that. that didn't happen. So that's that's a plot. So, but a stuff. fun fight. I mean, fun fight to see her in that really big poofy dress. Yes, fighting. Well done. Uh, um, I man in the bowler hat. Suspect that the actress was not wearing all of the understuff that we see her put on. Oh, which yeah, I, I know it's fine. But, like, I want to see, like, cool, how do you actually do a fight when you are wearing these things? Like, Let's deal with that, rather than just pretending they don't exist. Fair. She puts on the, the hip extender and the bustier and the corset. And those things will impact, or designed to impact, how you move through the world. So I think it would have been interesting to see her overcome that as an obstacle, or use that to her advantage. Oh, that reminds me of one moment that I did think was interesting when she goes into the dress shop and starts putting on mm-hmm. the undergarments, and yes. which is for those who don't know historical uh, costumes is a lot more than just a corset. Yes. You, to get those silhouettes, you had a lot of, of pieces, pieces, and, and... Um, and that she's describing how restrictive it is and how her mother taught, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like a cage and, and put women in them. But she's also enjoying seeing her silhouette come together. Yes. And that was a really powerful mm-hmm. moment, I think, in in the ways that feminists can approach beauty. And yeah. that in one way, some of these things were, a lot of these things were invented to put women in to oppress women. Yes. To oppress women. Um, but in a lot of ways, women are taking that back and doing it more for themselves. Yeah. Um, although I don't think really anyone wants to live in those, like, there are people who bustles. Do. And, but yeah. Yeah. 
And, and at this point in time, that is a choice that, that is you not get to a, make. that you get to make. Yeah. And that's, that's, and that's fine. That so I, I thought that was a very nuanced moment mm-hmm. um, in kind of the complicated relationship that, oh, I, I kind of like this shape that's taking mm-hmm. form. Yes. Um, in this. I would have like, We could have explored that, yeah. <laughs> and more of those sorts of moments, but yeah. I did, did like that. Um, uh, I wrote down, the aristocracy is good, actually. When we had the grandmother giving her speech when she found Enola in the treehouse, she was like, people don't understand like how important these lands are. We've been given the stewardship of them. That's what the, the lordship means. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was a very interesting moment because they were trying to show us that like, this grandmother is this nice person who's you know not angry and, and kicking around like everybody else did as a contrast. But then also having her say like kind of not terrible things, but things that I strongly disagree with, and I would have expected the film to disagree with, without any like questioning of it. Yeah. And the questioning came later when she was the murderer, but like that felt like too little, too late. It didn't work. Like no, the aristocracy isn't good actually because they'll murder people to keep power, which mm-hmm. is not the problem with the aristocracy. <laughs> I also wrote down towards the end, um, after the Vicomte got shot, maybe he'll stay dead. Nope. <laughs> but not from a whalebone corset. Yeah. I, I, I don't want him to have stayed dead, but I didn't want him to die and have Enola have to have an emotional dealing with it. And actually, no, he's okay, because he was wearing a, a chest piece. Yeah. That is just so cheap. Like, I'm just, I'm done with it. I'm tired of it. Give me something different. Which goes with that, the latter half of the film, where, okay, I've seen 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 this this. film. Yeah. I've seen this before. Uh, Do you want to play a game of Did You Recognize That Actor? Oh, yeah. Let's play Did I Recognize That Actor? Did you recognize the actor, the man in the bowler hat? I feel like I did. The person I thought he was, and this this is probably wrong. But the person I thought of was Danny Blue from Hustle. Was he Danny Blue from Hustle? <laughs> no. Okay. Then no, I don't know who he is. <laughs> he played Owen on Torchwood. Oh. Yeah, he did. I think yeah. I think Owen and Danny Blue are cousins. I think not in like real life, but like in my head canon. Okay. <laughs> I think those are I think those are related characters. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They, they have a very similar vibe to me. Yeah. So you knew you, he looked familiar. He looked familiar. I haven't seen Torchwood in so long. I haven't either, but yeah. he, I I remember faces. Yeah, I do. I think he has a pretty memorable face, too, because it's yeah. a little unusual. Mm-hmm. Anybody else I didn't recognize? Mm. No, probably, but... No, I think... Well, you knew Henry Cavill. I did, was... but only because I'd seen people talking about Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes. Um. <laughs> I don't know that I would have recognized him. Oh well, okay. Did then did did you recognize Susan Wacomo as the the pers- the tea house lady? No. Ah, okay, that was another good one. <laughs> Who is she? Um, she was Raquel in Crazy Head. What? The British kind of yeah. vampire slayer. I liked Crazy Head a lot. I'm yeah. sad it didn't get more episodes. I am too. But yes, she was one of the main Yeah, she definitely was. Characters. 
Cool. That's hard. I think that. Yeah, that's why we play it. It's fun. (laughs) That's all. Uh, Any other thoughts from Amy? I don't think so. I think I had more thoughts than I thought I would. That's That's par for the course because we're at about 50 minutes. Yeah. Should we talk about the podcast Patreon? Yeah. Let's talk about the Patreon. We have a Patreon. We have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash five degrees. Yep. There are different levels of support. Support. They are on a per episode basis. Yep. But if you want to put a monthly cap on it, um, then you can do that. Yeah. Each one has a particular reward level. Um, all the only one I can think of right now is that you get a list of... Oh, well, you get a list of the movie options Kevin gives me to choose from. <laughs> um, and, and I should say that's... He does that as a kindness to me because I am so indecisive. <laughs> and it stresses me out. I'm not saying you must pick out. from these movies. Yeah, no, it stresses me out to have too many choices. Yeah. So I pick four or five most weeks. Um, and then another benefit is to get the really uncut version that um has from when we turn the microphone on to when we tr- turn the microphone off yeah. which is no great secrets are happening no. happening happening there but, uh, if you want to hear more of us talking that's a perk you can get yes. <laughs> uh, so we thank everyone who listens and this will always be free mm-hmm. uh, it's helpful for, for us to just have the money for uh, hosting, hosting and, and, and Netflix. <laughs> buying the movies and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you enjoy the show, please support us. And if you don't enjoy the show, uh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> We're still listening. Yeah, still but listening. even listening is a big deal. We really appreciate everyone who does. Tell your friends. Leave us reviews on podcast apps. Uh, that's most of the important stuff. Okay. Um, we do as as a reward of our Patreon. We now have a unique domain name that we were able to purchase because of our wonderful patrons, and it is. Five degrees between dot us because uh, I like goofy URLs like that. Yeah. So uh, thanks for our patrons. We have that, and you can go to five degrees dot five degrees between dot us um, to listen to our podcast, or just do it however you're currently listening to your podcast because that's helpful too. Does that cover everything? I think that's everything. All yeah. right. Well, say good night, Kevin. Good night, Kevin.